Welcome to Break It Down, a ScanSource podcast brought to you by Cisco. On this podcast, we take complex tech topics and break them down for the non-tech listener with your host, Ian, Kyle, and Philip. Kyle is coming in hot. We're talking about a topic that he doesn't think is a tech term. It's smart cities. <laughs> That's right. Uh, a lot of technology involved. Smart cities is a marketing term. Let's dive into. Yeah, to be fair, so is technology. Internet of Things. And Internet of Behaviors. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to an, a Break It Down podcast coming soon to earpods near you. So... Let's talk smart cities then, because I and we, Philip and I have talked about this. This was a tech buzzword five years ago that was right there with, I mean, it's obviously a component of the Internet of Things or an output of it, but it was right there with it in popularity. And I think it's kind of died off a little bit. And I did a little bit of Google what happened to smart cities? And guess who? You want to know who agrees with me, Kyle and Philip? The smart people at Gartner. That's who agrees yeah. with me. I could buy into the fact that municipalities are probably less focused on this cool new buzzword thing called smart cities, but I will not buy into the fact that they're spending less money on technology. The marketers are the ones that failed. All the tech people are still buying this stuff. It's the marketers that let this die. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Let's be fair. This is common technology that we've talked about in a bunch of our episodes being used in a grand scale. So this isn't new technology that failed. Synergistically. Yeah, that's right. Yes. So we always do. We ask start where we always start. Where did this begin? When did it begin? Is there, I mean, is there a beginning or is it just one day a marketer came up and said, we're branding smart cities? Yeah, at some point, the two word phrase smart city was used somewhere and we all latched onto it and started talking about it. The initiatives that drive the smart city campaigns across the world are not new. They're things like creating sustainable energy, making it a safer place for people to live, engaging with employees, engaging with the uh, residents that live in your area. That's all the goals of smart city plans. So I don't, this one, I don't subscribe to a beginning and an end. Like you said, if you want to subscribe to the smart cities buzzwords and do Google searches, you'll, you'll find results that say smart cities are dead. The cities or not, the initiatives are not. I've also seen things move from smart to intelligent. Now they're intelligent cities. So maybe we're just on the way to the next iteration of different technologies being deployed in uh, a cityscape. Is it too simple to define it as just IoT applied to cities? Yeah, it, but so Phil, that's a, a critical component of it. And as we mentioned in the smart vehicles episode, what makes a smart vehicle different than a regular vehicle? What makes a smartphone different than a regular phone? It's the da- access to data and it's what you do with the data. So what drives the technology behind the things that we all refer to as smart cities is a bunch of IoT devices. So it's that, it's what do you do with the data, but it's also 
things that aren't necessarily in the IoT space. It's really just about using software to create efficiencies, to create safety, to create engagement. That's really important. So it's bigger than IoT, but all of this, everything we're talking about in the smart city space is technology helping us make data-driven decisions. So where does the data come from? Mostly sensors, mostly IoT devices, but not always. So big part of it. Is Wi-Fi and all everything goes along with the network that's behind this, accelerating this to where it's like a, you know, we don't, I feel like we're not really defining. The reason part of this term died is because all cities to some extent are smart to some degree, whether that's public transportation or the parking meter or, you know, whatever it may be. But how much of this has just been accelerated because of the network behind it? I would argue Tybee Island is not a smart city. (laughs) (laughs) You you can only pay for parking meters with corners and no one will give you a change. So that is, (laughs) take them off the list. You can't even have uh, fluorescent signs on uh, Hilton Head Island. So, Phil, I'm going to use so to start my answer since we start our questions with so. The network, so the the advancements in Wi-Fi 6 and 5G are being driven by the demand created because there's more devices to connect. I don't know what, this is a chicken and egg. It's a little bit of a chicken and the egg. But until there are 5G networks that we can connect every streetlight in the city to the network, to the internet, to whatever cloud application is controlling those devices, then smart cities are dead. So you have to have the network to support it. And so the people that are driving the, let's put a sensor in every trash can on the side of the road in a city, that initiative, they then need a network to connect all those devices to. And so that's driving the the technology advancements in 5G. Sounds expensive. I agree. The gains that you would get from the advancements would largely outweigh the cost. But you could say, what do we gain from having traffic lights with IoT sensors in it? What are we going to gain there that's going to save us money? Well, one of the, the recent stories or use cases in a smart city is that emergency services can turn the lights green all the way on their path from patient to end result. Is that quantifiable in a cost savings? Well, I don't know. How much does a life cost? Yeah, you're not having an ambulance get T-boned. That's right. Yeah. So you could justify it, hard cost, soft cost, for sure. I mentioned the trash can thing earlier. That's another real world application. You could have sensors and, and roadside waste bins. And that saves money from waste management companies picking up empty bins. So if the sensor says it's full, then pick it up. If it doesn't say it's full, let it ride and you just drive by it. So, yeah, you can save costs by and large, guys. Sensors are not expensive. Well, they didn't used to be pre-supply chain issues. Sensors weren't very expensive. So this is mostly software and either AI or human beings that are responding to sensor data. That's what I was going to ask was how much of this is bracketing new technology on old infrastructure and how much could it be optimized if you were to start over? So like I'm from Massachusetts, Boston had the big dig back when I was growing up. 
if let's say Greenville, South Carolina did a big dig and was, we're going to become a smart city. We're putting sensors in the pave, the asphalt, every streetlights, like you could kind of go, you know, soup the nuts. Would that be that much better or is just bracketing new technology and old infrastructure enough? I love the question. I want to answer it the way I answered a previous question, which is, I think this is a societal question. So there's some really cool things you can do if you do a big dig and you dig up the walkways, you dig up the roads, you rebuild the parks. Like there's some really, really cool things you can do. Now, does that outweigh the cost of rip and replace? I don't know. I'm not there yet, but I will promise you that if you were in Greenville, so if you want to go experience downtown Greenville, South Carolina, and there's been some mini version of Big Dig and they've renovated a part of that town where the walkway has devices built into it that you interact with. That's going to drive a whole bunch of people there and all the retail shops around that new area are going to benefit yeah. from it. So there's a huge economic impact to novelty, to a, a new environment, even if you're you, the person walking down that walkway, the only thing you're experiencing is lights lighting up as you come through it or whatever it is. That's what I, was, I mean, there's a large safety and security component to smart cities. That's the other part. And we keep talking about how our generations and younger are willing to sacrifice their public information or even private information for convenience. And the more devices you have in a public space and you're walking through it, they're interacting with everything on you, everything, every piece of technology that you're you have in your pocket, these sensors are interacting with. So yeah, you, you got to sacrifice a little bit of uh, your own data in order for the convenience experience or the novelty experience, which we can't undermine what people are willing to, to give up just for novelty. I actually meant this a different way, but let's come back to that. I meant it more of to your point, what costs you put on saving life in that, like you mentioned streetlights and stuff illuminating. If I'm walking home from dinner, you essentially could have those lights light up with me. Or there could you could do more kind of what you see on campuses with emergency phones, or I don't even know the possibilities. But to me, there's more of a, like within a large scale city, more of a connected city would provide more safety there. But you're right. There's a lot of personal data privacy concerns, and that's what I was going to kind of where I was going to go with this. All of this exists, technology exists today. It's just we don't use it because we don't feel comfortable with it. Yeah. I was just trying to head off Phil's obligatory question about security by answering your question about cybersecurity instead of physical. That is a very real scenario, Ian, that you mentioned. And I think there's I think the use case uh, that I ran across is in Amsterdam. But, you know, it costs a lot to illuminate streets and walkways and public spaces. And if no one's in them, why are we illuminating them? Right. So it, you can use sensors to identify the fact that there's somebody walking through it and light it up and light it up bright so that they feel safe. But you're exactly right. As you walk down the street, you could have Harry Potter follow you behind and turn off all the streetlights as you go down the road, just as long as you're well lit in your area. That's uh, IoT devices. Harry Potter reference. Streetlights, public transportation, 
uh, emergency services. What else is like a really cool use case that somewhere someone's doing? And I didn't start with so. Um, really cool use case. I think smart parking or intelligent parking to me is a real cool use case. Uh, it seems super lame, but you can find a stat to support any idea you have on the internet, but there are stats out there that say that humans spend 17 hours a year trying to find a parking spot. (laughs) Who cares? But it's a stat. I believe that. Yeah. If you're in a big metropolis, that means more to you than it does to me uh, who doesn't leave his house more than twice a week. But imagine picture, if you will, a parking garage or parking lot that has sensors in each parking space that can tell a application whether or not that space is occupied. You could very easily find a parking space where you're trying to go and reserve it so that when you arrive, the whatever blocking technology is in place lowers so that you can pull in. So that's very real. The little blocking technology thing doesn't, I haven't seen a use case of that just yet, but there's lots and lots of uh, instances of helping people find parking. Lighting in public spaces is one. Uh, again, one of the, the goals of smart cities is to help with uh, make it a greener environment, energy consumption. You guys are in Greenville. You probably have meters, electric meters on your house that are IoT devices. My water bill comes from somebody that just drives down the road and they pick up the reading off my water meter. So those things are very relevant. Are they cool and exciting? No, uh, they're really not. As a technologist, I like them. But as a uh, homeowner, I'm like, whatever, just send me the bill and I'll pay it. And also as a homeowner, which you could probably turn into a public setting, I've got a smart irrigation system. And so it only runs when it needs to be watered and it has a weather station in it. So it knows when it rained and when it's hot and what kind of grass I have and what the grade of my yard is. So anyway, that exists in the, in the public space too. The point being, let's not run those utilities or use those utilities, consume or create when we don't need to. So the real cool ones to me, Phil, are street lights, traffic shaping, traffic monitoring, public transportation, smart vehicles in the public transportation space. All of those things are the really cool ones that we've talked about already. Those are some other examples for you. Is there any way for, and I just wonder if any cities have, this is a marketing term, if any cities have taken this as a revenue generating, like their ability to put up displays in places and you actually could generate revenue for the city through you know usage of the actual network that exists and some of the IoT devices and even selling off the data. Yeah, the selling of the data one, I'm not touching that. We all know that happens. We all accept uh, end-user license agreements without reading them. You go read them, you'll find out your data is getting sold. I think, Phil, the commercialization of a smart city, Dublin's a really good example. If you go look up uh, Smart Dublin, they've done their version of the Big Dig. They've got whole sections of the city that they've turned into little miniature smart cities, but they're trying to, they, or they're not trying to, they have figured out how to monetize the investments that they've made. It's an advertisement. There's displays everywhere. There's providing unique experiences for residents, pedestrians, customers. I go back to what I said earlier when Ian was, when I misanswered Ian's question 
retailers want to move into those spaces because they know that people are curious and they're going to show up and see what the experience is. So that's the real, I mean, let's, let's call it what it is. Tax dollars are paying or uh, are a real driver to get people into retail and into these new spaces. Is this something that we'll continue to see in large scale wealthy cities, and I don't mean to make this socioeconomic, but I think it is in a way, like we used to always joke that the only case study when we first started talking about this back in the early 2014-15s was City of Dubai. And they had like a McLaren police fleet and it was a connected fleet, connected city. And that sounds great on paper, but there's not a lot of municipalities around us that are (laughs) leveraging the same budget that the City of Dubai is caching. So is this something that we'll see kind of the Phillips point on like a smaller scale in a Greenville than we would in a larger scale in a Miami? Yeah, I think so. So you got to consider that the investment dollars that are creating smart cities are coming from the municipalities. This, This is not private enterprise. The larger the city, the larger the population, it becomes socioeconomic. It just, it has to be. So the investments in infrastructure, yep, that's coming from whatever the local municipality is. I think we can all part ways with the term smart city. Yeah, that's fine. We're okay with that. It's not going to slow down the investment in technology. People aren't subscribing to the buzzword going, oh, I'm going to move to Columbus, Ohio because it's a smart city. I would be willing to bet that the mobile carriers are doing a better job of driving people to the NFL cities by saying they have 5G and people want to go there because they think they're going to have a better connected experience when they get there. And therefore, those cities can become more connected cities or become more more smart cities because they have more people in it and they need to. They need to to keep them safe, to keep them engaged. So I don't think there's any slowdown if we part ways with the term. I don't think there's going to be any slowdown in investments made here. This is not a dying technology trend. It might just be a dying marketing term. Okay. Tough pill to swallow as a marketer. That's why I come to these things. I got to keep it real. Yep. Keep me on my toes. All right. (laughs) We appreciate it as always. Until next time, boys. Today's interview is brought to you by Cisco Security. Security is a top concern for all customers in a growing global market rich in recurring revenue. Don't just sell the products, win by selling security business valuable in a scalable architectural approach with best of breed products and threat intelligence with Cisco. Profit from an ongoing relationship with your customers today.